I hope that all of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you have your Bibles, would you go to the book of Proverbs? Proverbs chapter 16, and you can just leave it open to that. We're happy to have all of our guests today. And today we're going to baptize Bryant. And it looks like... It looks like that Bryant has some family with him. And so I'm sure you're his family and thank you for being here. I know that makes it even more special for Bryant to have you. So thank you. Every year at Christmas, we do what we, do what we call Angel Tree. An Angel Tree is a ministry whereby we serve others. And when we're serving others and we're giving, remember this, anytime you give, that is the nature of God. The nature of man is to hoard. The nature of Satan is to steal, but the nature of God is to give. And when you give, that is the nature of Christ. And so I'm just asking you if you would consider taking an angel. All you have to invest is $25 and it goes to give our community and to those that maybe are not as fortunate as most of us some gifts and I don't think it would break the bank of any of us to be able to invest $25 to be able to give a gift and to bring a smile to someone's face. Can I get a witness? I saw on those, not that I was looking, but I just happened to glance and I saw a number of you Hope House gentlemen that have taken angels and that speaks well of you. Thank you for doing that. I really do sincerely appreciate it. Thank you. We had a marvelous Thanksgiving service, and if you weren't able to make it, you really missed a precious, sweet service. And in that service, I thanked a number of people, but I also forgot a number of people because I didn't have it written down. I did not know I was going to do it. But I do want to continue that list, and I just want to thank our ushers that wait on us every weekend and week out. Thank you. I want to thank... I want to thank the ladies and gentlemen that greet us at the door with a nice smile and a warm handshake. Thank all of you ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you. And then to our bereavement ministry, Sister Darty and others of you that help her. This is a wonderful ministry whereby we serve food to the men and women of our assembly and others that have lost a loved one. And it's just a great way of showing our love. So thank you ladies and gentlemen and we also sister debbie bankin has a ministry to our widows wherein she checks on our widows and others of you sister june i know helps with that i thank you our life group leaders and then we have a lockup team believe it or not the angels don't come and cut the lights on and the airs on and they don't come back after you've gone and cut it all off somebody plays a part in that and i thank all of you all of you that are involved in a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, making TPC what it is. God never asks us to do it alone, but he says we can accomplish great things when we do it together. So thank you. Would you give yourself a big hand? Thank you. I have made it no secret that a lot of my messages is because of research and study trying to find what I feel is the mind of the Lord. But I will tell you that I know the Lord dropped this in my spirit. And I don't know exactly why this timing, why this Sunday, I don't know. But I am going to share my heart to you this morning that I know the Lord gave me this. And so you will have to decide if you feel like it's from the Lord I'll let you make that decision, okay? But the Bible says this, that everything I teach, I'm going to be held accountable for. And so I want you to know that what I am about to share with you, I didn't think of it last night. The Lord dropped this in my spirit sometime back, and I'm just going to share it with you. I'm going to be taking my, our text from Proverbs 16, but I'm not going to read it now. But if you'll just stay there. I would appreciate it. I want us to pray together because this morning is very important. And I want us to ask God to help us to just open up our hearts to receive his word. 
Father, I thank you for the great privilege to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, I am asking you now that as we are here in body, that we would also be here in our spirit and in our mind to receive, Lord, from your word. And Father, I ask you for the next few moments that you would just anoint my mind and my mouth and help me to present it in such a way as would be pleasing to you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to talk to you this morning on this subject, motives matter. How many of you agree with me that our motives matter? It's one thing for a young man to walk a little old lady across the street because he wants to be a help to her. It's another thing entirely if he wants to walk her across the street so he can rob her in the back alley. It's all about motives. Say motives matter. Say my motives matter. You believe that? I want to read Matthew 6 and 1. I'm reading from the ESV. This is the English Standard Version. Some say that this is the closest word-for-word translation of any Bible. So here it is. This is what Jesus says. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your father. In Matthew 6, Jesus goes on in that chapter. If you're familiar with it, he starts talking about the way that we give. The way that we give is important to God. The motive that we give is important. If we do it to be seen of men, that is our reward. But if we do it as unto God, then God will reward us on that great day. He goes on to talk about in Matthew 6 that the way that we pray, even when we pray, we should not do it as unto men and to be heard of men or to be seen of men. Prayer is a good thing, but if your motive is wrong, it can actually bring you no reward for praying if your motive is not right. Then in Matthew 6, he continues to go on and he's talking about fasting and he's specifically talking to the Pharisees. He says, when you fast, don't be of a down countenance. Don't act like you're fasting. Don't go around telling everyone that you are fasting. Because if you do that, then all you have is the reward of somebody patting you on the back and saying, thank you for fasting, but God's not going to reward that. So our motives matter. Can I get a witness? Our motives and how we do things are very important to God. And sometimes the ancient Israelites, they would do the right thing, but they would do it for the wrong reason. And even though they did the right thing, they did it for the wrong reason. And this really irked God. It really displeased God. Because all of us know we know what to do many times, but we can even do the right thing for the wrong reason. God wants us to do the right things for the right reasons. Can I get a witness? Here's our text this morning, and it is in Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 2. This is the New Living Translation. It says, people may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. How many understand that everything we did this week, and this is not to put us on blast or to make us afraid, but everything that we did this week, God was examining our motives. It may have looked good to men and women, but God really saw our hearts. How many understand that God really didn't spend a whole lot of time on some of the things that us Pentecostals have spent a lot of time on? But what he did spend a lot of time on is why are you doing what you're doing? Because your motives matter. Say, my motives matter. I want you now to look at Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 13. Again, this is the ESV version. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. That scripture is pretty straightforward. It really means what it says. 
What it means is, is that every one of us are exposed to God. Our hearts are exposed to God. Our minds are exposed to Him. Even our flesh is exposed to Him. I know this is not the most, you know, precious thought, but the real thought is this, that we are all naked and exposed to God, literally and figuratively speaking. Does that make sense to you? That is the context of this verse. So the whole world is naked before God. And here is what the Lord showed me. I did not read this. I did not study this from someone else. But I have been praying, God, would you give me revelation? Because I want to preach more from revelation than what I do research. And here is what the Lord showed me. He told me, Wayne, if someone were to bring before me the most beautiful woman with the most beautiful body, dressed in the most provocative and sensual way, and you brought that lady right up before me, I would not have to bow my head or close my eyes. Why would God not to have to bow His head or close His eyes? Here's three reasons. Because there is no lust in His eyes. There is no lust in his flesh. And there is no pride in his life. This lady, beautiful lady, with a beautiful body, could present herself before the Lord and God wouldn't struggle with sin. He would not struggle with lust. Because your God and my God has never sinned. He has never known sin. And he will never know sin. So God never... Thank you for receiving this. So you bring the most beautiful body with the most beautiful shape and bring her before the Lord, the most beautiful woman you've ever seen, and God wouldn't have to bow His head or close His eyes because there is no lust in Him. There is no pride in Him. There is no lust in His eyes. Do you agree with that? In fact, why would God even need to lust at her in her provocative dress when He sees her already as naked and exposed? Because nothing is hidden from him. Do you agree with that? Can I keep going? Now, the same is true. It, I'm not comfortable with this, but I, I, I need to say it for the sake of you ladies. The same is true if you brought the most handsome man with the most beautiful male physique in front of God. And this man was dressed in the most provocative and sensual way. Again, God would not need to bow his head or close his eyes because he's already sees man as naked and exposed before him. Nothing would make God lust. There is literally, ladies, no way that you could dress sensual enough that it would cause God to lust after your body or after anything that you have. Do you agree with that? God is sinless. God is holy, meaning that God is separated from sin. God has never sinned. God never will sin. So God's word tells us that all of creation, all of us here this morning are naked and exposed to the eyes of God. Brothers and sisters, after a lot of prayer, after a lot of searching the Word, I present this morning that our holiness or our standard of dress or our modesty is not about us doing this for God. Our modesty and our dress has everything to do with us loving our brother and loving our sisters. I want you to notice in Genesis, if you will, Genesis chapter 3, actually. God did not get upset with Adam and Eve for being naked in the garden. I'm going to say it again. Your God did not get upset with Adam and Eve for being naked in the garden. By the way, your God created them naked and placed them naked in a garden. If God had a problem with them being naked, He would have clothed them in a garden. They did not even know that they were naked in the garden. They did not even have, brothers and sisters, a sin conscience 
until they disobeyed God. Here is Genesis chapter 3 and verse 11. He said, who told you that you were naked? God didn't tell them. There was no one else to tell them. How did they know that they were naked? Because when they disobeyed God, that disobedience opened up their eyes and their consciousness and they realized we are naked. And what did they go and do? Because of the shame of their nakedness. They went and hid themselves and they made themselves fig leaves to cover their shame and their nakedness. And God came down and said, Adam, who told you that you were naked? I didn't tell you that. Adam realized it because of his sin and because of his transgression. What did the Lord do? I can't prove this, but I personally believe that this is where the first lamb was slain as a typology of this lamb is now I'm going to take this lamb and the wool of this lamb and I'm going to cover you as a typology that Christ was going to the cross and he now would cover us and he would cover our shame and he would put upon us the robe of righteousness. But the thing that I want to bring to you is that God put them in the garden naked. I want you now to look at another passage, another passage in Genesis. God did not get upset with a, name, a man named Noah. Okay, this is found in Genesis, I believe it is, 9. And I want to just tell you a quick story because I have a lot to say. So listen, I will tell you this. If any of you have any questions after this service, I'm going to be right down here and you can ask me anything you want to ask me. Let me hasten. Genesis 9. Noah now, the backstory is Noah got drunk and he is laying naked in his tent. There is a young man, his son, that came in and saw his nakedness. Pause right there. Nowhere in Scripture do we see where God got upset at Noah for being naked. But Noah got very upset because one of his sons looked upon his nakedness. And this is what Noah did. Noah said in 9 and 22, And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, that would be Noah, Verse 24, when Noah awoke from his wine, meaning he was drunk, and knew what his youngest son had done to him, verse 25, he said, cursed be Canaan. God did not have a problem with Noah being naked, but Noah had a problem with his son seeing his nakedness. Do you agree with that? Yes. Keep all of that in mind. So now, meaning, brothers and sisters, that God had already seen Adam and Eve naked. He had already seen Noah naked. All of the world is naked and exposed to God. So our modest apparel, brothers and sisters, cannot be for God. It is for our neighbors. It is for our brothers and for our sisters. It is for every young man and every young woman and every boy and every girl around you. Why is it a love issue as unto our brothers and sisters? Here's why. Because we are the ones that struggle with lust in our eyes. And we are the ones that struggle with pride in our life. You say, what does pride have to do with it? Because we can have a hot mama on our side, dressed very sensual, and it can cause us to have pride to look. I got her because I'm all of that. God does not have that. He doesn't struggle with that. We struggle with lust in our eyes. I need an amen because y'all know it's the truth. We struggle with the pride of life. We struggle with lust in our flesh. Are you still with me? Now, we are the ones who struggle with sensual and provocative dress. God doesn't. Go to 1 Samuel 16 and 7. It plainly tells us in the ESV, For the Lord sees not as man sees. 
Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Everything, brothers and sisters, that we do, God is looking to see if our hearts are right before Him. Can I get a witness? God doesn't look, brothers and sisters, at our outward appearance. I know what we have been taught. We that have been raised up in this particular denomination, we have been taught certain things. But God does not look at our outward appearance. God is looking at every one of our hearts. God is looking at why we do what we do. There are many ways that we can show God our love. One of them is by our giving. One of them is by our praise. One of them is by loving our neighbor. There are literally many, many ways of showing our love to God. But one way that we can show our love to our brothers and to our sisters is our modest dress. All of us are loving our brothers and our sisters in Christ when we dress in a modest way. Sensual or tight clothing on a woman or on a man does not cause God to lust. But most of the time, it will make a man or a woman look. So we ask the question, is it possible to tempt someone to sin or cause someone else to sin? And the quick answer would be yes. Look at Mark 9 and verse 42, the ESV version. It says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone were hung around his neck and were thrown into the sea. What are you saying, pastor? I'm just saying what the word says. If you and I are dressing in a sensual or a provocative way, so much so that we would cause someone to stumble or fall, we have to check our motives. Are you in agreement with that? Can I keep going? Romans chapter 14. Paul is talking about tempting a weak brother or a weak sister. He says in verse 14, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Brothers and sisters, I need your undivided attention this morning. There are some things that God's Word says are absolutely no-nos. There are other things that as your pastor, when you come and you place yourself under the authority of this office, there are some things that as your pastor, I present to you that are not heaven and hell issues, but I present them to you because I feel like that it is best for the safety of our soul. There are other things. The third dimension of that is personal conviction. And here's where we all need to be mature in Christ. What you may be able to do, I may not be able to do that. And what I might be able to do, you may not be able to do that. But when we try this cookie cutter religion, that is what is good for one is good for all. I'm sorry, that does not line up with God's word. It does not line up with God's word. What does line up with God's word from Genesis to Revelation is why we do what we do. What is our motive for doing it? That's what lines up with God's word. And Paul is saying this. He says, I understand that nothing is unclean of itself. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are expedient. What does that mean? It means that Paul could do a whole lot. He just chose not to. Why? Because he loved his brother and his sister enough that he wouldn't do it for their sake. It didn't have to do with God. Didn't have anything to do with God. It had to do with loving my brother and loving my sister. Can I keep going? Verse 15, if your brother or your sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. 
Now, my brothers and sisters, we are not here today on the hot issues of Judaism. Back in when Paul was writing the hot issues of Judaism is circumcision. The Judaizers said to the Christians of the day, you can't be saved unless you are circumcised. And Paul is saying, no, that is not true. God saved us not by circumcision now of the foreskin of a male, but He is now saving us by the circumcision of our heart. And when we go down in baptism, which I can prove to you, but do not have the time. He circumcises our heart in baptism. He places us in a covenant. He puts His name upon us and He gives us an inheritance. But the circumcision of a male foreskin was a big, big issue back in Paul's day. Another big issue was eating meat offered to idols. That was a big issue. Today, that's not an issue among us, especially where I come from in this denomination. What is a hot-button issue is the way we dress. It is a hot-button issue, and I am going to address it from the Word of God. And here is what Paul says. If you eat meat and know that that would cause your brother to stumble, you're not making God stumble. You're causing your brother to stumble and therefore you're not acting in love. He goes on to say in verse 15, please put it up. Do not by your eating destroy someone to whom Christ died. It it goes on. It is better not to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything, anything, anything that would cause your brother or your sister to fall. So Paul is saying, if what you are doing can cause someone else to sin, to fall, or to stumble, please don't do it. He is also saying, which I don't have time to bring to you this morning, but he is also saying this, that if you were brought up a certain way and you believe that it is wrong, then it is wrong for you to do that. So don't go against your conscience and don't go against your convictions because you were brought up a certain way and that's truly what you believe. And if you did that, it would bring conviction to you because that is your belief. But brothers and sisters, some of you that have been in this particular denomination for 50, 60, 40, 30, 20 years, and you were brought up a particular way, your pastor is not telling you to let go of your convictions. I am telling you, you need to hang on to your personal convictions. What I am also telling you is there are people that God is going to send that was not send us, that was not raised the way you were, were not taught how you were taught. They don't know what you know. And when they come in here and we judge them based off of an outward appearance because you were taught that that was holiness unto the Lord, because you were taught that that is how you are saved. I get it. I understand it. I am not against your personal convictions. What I am bringing to you this morning is that not everybody has those personal convictions. And now what we all have to do is strive with one another in love. You may not look like me, but I can still love you. You may not have my convictions, but I can still love you. Because at the end of the day, I am not your judge. I don't know your heart. You and I are all going to stand before God one day and give an account for the deeds that are done in our body. Are you still tracking me this morning? As believers, we are all very aware of the effects our actions can have on someone else. Can the way a person dress cause a man or a woman to sin? Yes, it can. Can we keep people from sinning with their eyes or their hearts? No, we can't. But as brothers and sisters, we need to do everything not to cause a brother or a sister to stumble or to fall. We need to dress in such a way that our dress does not bring attention to our bodies. 
Because if we are dressing in a provocative or sensual way, what it really means is that you need a man or a woman to look at you, to value you based off of your body. And it means that we are still immature because we haven't found that our identity is in Christ. When our identity is in Christ, I'm going to get very open with you this morning. When our identity is in Christ, then it means I don't need you to look at one's curves to say they are valuable or to say they are beautiful. No, I want to look at that person and I want to see a heart that is reflecting the image of God, that is walking, breathing, living, and talking as the image of Christ. When you are dressing in such a way, be you male or be you female, that draws attention to yourself, then you haven't truly understood your identity and who you are in God. You are still identifying that you are valuable based off of your curves or your muscles. And God is saying, I still love you, child, but that is immaturity. God wants us to be mature. You may say, why do I as a lady or a man have to be mindful of others when it comes to the way I dress? Think about this. Jesus sacrificed his body for the good of all of us. He was willing to sacrifice his body because he loved us. And so that we could walk in the spirit and not live in the lust of our flesh. God does not want us, hear me this morning, to lust after his creation. God wants us to love our brothers and our sisters and our community in Christ. And let the light of Christ be seen in each of us. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 22. And 37, this is again the ESV. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first and the great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophet. What does that mean, pastor? Here's what it means. Jesus was basically telling his audience, take everything that Moses wrote in the law. Take everything that the prophet said. The prophet Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Hosea, Malachi. Take all the minor prophets, the major prophets. Take everything they wrote. And I'm going to sum this up for you real easy, boys and girls. It's love God and love people. Love God and love people. And the way we present ourselves is not because God can't handle you in a particular outfit. It's because you are dressing in such a way that you are loving your brothers and your sisters in Christ. And you are willing to sacrifice your own body for the good of others. That's how you love me. That's how you love one another. Are you tracking with me this morning? Can I keep going? Look at Romans chapter 12, 12 and verse 1. Here is Paul saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And that means show the worth of Christ by the way you use your body. Show your worth to Christ by the way you use your body. When my identity is in Christ, then it is not in my body. And it comes down to motives. What is my motivation in why I do what I do? What is my motivation in the way that I dress? My motivation in wearing what I am wearing. God doesn't want us to try to prove that we are good enough because we don't believe we are. God doesn't want us to dress modest because we think that's what saves us. Okay, I'm fixing to get off into the weeds for just a minute. Brothers and sisters, I understand the way I grew up. I was taught that basically my standard of outward dress is what helps save me. I'm about to tell you some very strong words. If my salvation 
is in the way I dress. That has just become an idol. Any time that I say it takes what I do plus what God did to save me, brothers and sisters, I am sorry. God never needed our help to save us. God does not need our help to save us. When he saved us, it was God that called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. It was God that chose us. We didn't choose him. It was God that forgave us of our sins. It was God that placed his name upon us in baptism. It was Jesus that came on the inside of us and filled us with his Holy Spirit. There is literally, brothers and sisters, nothing that I could have done to save myself. In the process of justification, and you need to know that word, it means just as if I never did it. When God looks at me, he looks at me through the blood. He looks at me as naked and exposed, and he's looking at my heart because my dress could never save me. If my dress is what saved me, then I just need to dress nice and don't worry about God because I am saved. You cannot save yourself. That's why Jesus came, so he could save us all because we needed a savior are you still with me if we think that what we do is what puts us in good graces to God and in other words, if we do this, God is going to love us more. And if we don't do this, God is going to love us less. Brothers and sisters, that's called conditional love. And the only one that has ever loved you unconditionally is God. God does not love you more. God does not love you less. God is love. He loves you. But when you dress in a modest way, it's not that you are trying to impress God. It is that you are loving your brother and you are loving your sister and you are loving them enough that you will sacrifice maybe what you would want to do because you love them so much because God's word says love him and love others. Your motives matter. Did that just make sense? God wants to put us at a new starting line. Please stay with me. I'm about to wrap this up. God wants to put all of us at a new starting line. You say, what do you mean, pastor? I'm saying this new starting line is this, that I'm already secure, that I'm already worthy, that I'm already attractive, that I'm already important, and I'm already victorious. We are holy, brothers and sisters, because we have the Holy Spirit. We are already enough. We already have enough. And when we start at that starting point, then our motives are going to be different because now we are free to love God and others and ourselves for the right reasons. I'm not trying to impress God with my dress. I am trying to be a man of integrity. This is not something that I live when I come up on a stage on Sunday morning. Christianity, brothers and sisters, is a lifestyle. Have I made myself clear this morning? Now you have to judge whether God gave me this or whether I was eating a bad burrito. I'll let you be the judge. God already sees every one of us as naked and exposed. He does not lust at us. He does not... He does not look at us and get lustful or prideful in his flesh or in his eyes. But we can't say the same for all of us. And this is why all of us have to go back to the cross every day, your pastor included, and say, God, I want a pure mind and I want a pure heart. I want to love my brother and I want to love my sister and I want to be modest in everything that I do. Brothers and sisters, you have watched for the last 11 years, my wife and I, we have no intentions on changing. We have no intentions on our dress or our outward dress being different. 
The reason why that I present this to you this morning is because next Sunday you're going to see us dressed differently. What is in our heart is in our heart. My convictions, I don't preach to you as supposedly your convictions. I do my best to stay in this word of God. And what God says is a no-no. I do my best to tell us all, to all of us, it's a no-no. But there are certain ways that I want this platform to look. It's not a heaven and a hell. It's a personal thing of mine. I don't want anybody to struggle when you look on our platform. I want you to be able to exalt the name of Jesus and worship and praise and glory to the Lord. We all have enough struggles as it is. You say, Pastor, what about the world? The world is going to be the world. Quit trying to make the world the church. I go out into the world every day and see very immodest dress. What do you do? I ask God every day to help me keep my mind pure. Help me to keep my eyes pure. Help me to keep my heart pure. But listen, when we come to church, we don't need to have to struggle with that as well. We need to come in here loving God and loving people. Have I made myself clear? But for those of us that were raised in such a way that we were taught what we wear is literally a heaven and a hell issue. I am here to tell you that God already sees the world as naked and exposed. It's a love for my brother and a love for my sister issue when you come into the body of Christ. Now here's what I want to leave you with and I'll wrap it up. Here's the action that I want you to take home with you this morning. Become someone. Pastor, what do you want? I've heard you. And in fact, I think that lines up with the word. So now what do you want? Here's what I want. I want everyone in this building to become a person that asks every day, why do I do what I do? Why am I doing this? And if you get honest with yourself and you realize before you walk out the door that your dress is actually sensual and you might be doing it because you want attention, then why don't you take that heart to the Lord and say, God, would you give me the right heart? Would you give me the right spirit? And it doesn't just do with dress, brothers and sisters. It literally does with everything that we have to do. I want to give with the right motive. I want to pray with the right motive. I want to fast with the right motive. Because motives matter. If you receive God's word, would you stand this morning? I feel heaven in this house. Yes, I do. I feel heaven in this house. I know a lot has been said. And you need time to process it and think about it. I've been processing and thinking about it for a while. So pastor, what, what was your motivation for bringing this this morning to us? Here's my motivation. Are you ready? Because there's a motive. Behind every behavior, there's a belief. What was my motivation? Because I believe that we have run off a lot of sincere, honest-hearted people based off of our judgmentalism on what our eyes could see. And we've hurt a lot of people that perhaps could be saved today because they didn't align up to our personal standard. They didn't align up to what we thought was holy. My motivation today is because there is a big hurting world out there and they don't for the most part know what you know but they know they're hurting and they know they're looking for hope and they know they need something more than what they got because the peel didn't do it and the shot didn't do it and smoking didn't do it and the joint didn't do it and the sex didn't do it and they've done all of that and they're still empty. They're saying, well, maybe there might be something to this Christianity. And then they walk into a spirit-filled church and they feel something they have never felt before in their life. But then Granny Grumpy gets a hold of them and dresses them down for looking a certain way and they 
say, well, if that's really what it is, I don't want any part of that. And here's my motivation for preaching this morning. We've got to understand that holiness and dress is not the issue with God. It is the issue with our brothers and our sisters to show that we love them so that we are not a stumbling block. What is the issue with God is where is my heart? Do I have enough God that I can look beyond how you look and love you for who you are and then believe that pastor and God and God's word are eventually going to penetrate your heart and God's going to open your eyes and you're going to begin to transform your mind by the renewing of his word and you're going to begin in time to walk into maturity. I feel heaven in this house right now. If I took one of those little ones down and they're three years old, you wouldn't expect a lot from a three-year-old. In fact, if there's still a diaper on a three-year-old, it's probably close to normal. But if I put a 13-year-old up here or a 28-year-old up here and we put a diaper on them, something is seriously wrong. Brothers and sisters, how can we understand physical maturity, but we can't get spiritual maturity down? We must understand that every one of us in this room are on a different journey, and God deals with us differently as his kids. And there's some things he tells you don't do, because if you did it, it would destroy you. I got to just unload my heart. I had one young man here from Hope House. He told me, he said, Pastor, I literally cannot get within 100 yards of a casino. He said the sights and the sounds literally make endorphins go off into my brain. He said there is, a, there is an attractiveness to the sights and sounds of casinos. He said I can't even get in 100 yards of it. He said, wow, I never knew. Guess what? The other night I went in. And I took someone, a pastor, to a place at the casino. I never one time had a desire to go and play the slots. I worked too hard for my money to go and give it away. But guess what? That brother that I talked to, he can't even get in 100 yards. So you know what? It's best he don't. But I could go in there. I ate. Never one time did the thought ever even cross my mind. Go in there and lay $100 down and see what you could win. Here's the next thing. Guess what else? There are some things that old Pastor Wayne needs to stay away from. Because that is what the enemy tries to get me. Not everybody's the same in this house. But what God wants to know is, where's your heart? Where's your heart? Where's your heart? Can you receive that word this morning? Can you receive that word? If you can receive that word, would you just put your hands up as a believer and say, God, help me. Help me. Come on, talk to God. Talk to God all over this house. I've been talking to you for 45 minutes. Now would you open up your mouth if you're a believer and would you talk to God? Would you ask God, God, help me in everything that I do, in my actions, in the way that I'm dressed. God, would you help me, Lord? Come on, would you just take a minute before we baptize Bryant? Would you just take a minute and would you just do inventory? God, I want my heart to be right. Want my spirit to be right. Want my mind to be pure. I want my spirit to be pure. I want to be pure, God. As you increase, it's all about me. It's not about me. I'd increase as you increase. It's all about you. I prophesy to you 
that there is a hurting harvest that is coming to De Quincey. They're going to be red, yellow, black, and white. They're going to look different from you, but they're hurting. They're hungry, and they're wanting to know, is there a spirit-filled church that can change my life? And are there people there that are mature enough that can receive me and accept me for who I am and where I am? And I say with the resounding yes, God help TPC to be that church. God help TPC to be that church. God help TPC to be that church. I love you. I love you. You say, Pastor, you don't know me, but if I did know you, I would love you. Because I love people. Because people are all the, all the only thing that's going to last for eternity. Everything else you have will one day fade away. But people will live as long as God does. Can I get a witness? Well, guess what I did this morning? I've had my baptismal clothes out for the whole week so I wouldn't forget. And yes, I forgot them. So what are you going to do? I don't know, but we're fixing to find out. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. You say, what do you normally do? I normally put on a different pair of pants and different shirt and get in the baptismal with the candidate, buddy. You're fixing to see a first and I'm fixing to experience a first. But we're going to find something out and Lord help me to be modest. Bryant, sweet family, thank you for being here this morning. It's a privilege to have you. Why don't you make your way over so you can come and be with Bryant and experience him getting baptized. How many understand when we're baptized, we are baptized into the body of Christ? Bryant, look at me, boy. Young man, pardon me, I don't mean to be rude to you. You see all of these people right here? This right here is your natural family, right? And they love you. But this right here is your spiritual family. And they love you. Hey, your chicken's not going to burn, is it, if we stay one more minute? Okay, if you got to go, I understand. But if you don't, Bryant, here we go. We're going to figure this out. Hop up in here, buddy. say, Pastor, um, I know that you Pentecostals baptize in Jesus' name. Why do you do that? Because Matthew 28 and 19 says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Here's why. If I told Bryant, Bryant, go shut that door, and Bryant says back to me, go shut that door, is he obeying the command or repeating the command? He is simply repeating the command. He hasn't obeyed it. Because Jesus says, I've come in my Father's name. What was his Father's name? When he come in his father's name, Jesus comes in the name of Jesus. So when I go to make a check out, you don't write out to me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They won't cash it at the local bank. I am many things. I am a father. I am a son. I am a pastor. I am a preacher. I've done some counseling. I've done some painting. I've mowed some yards. I've fed some horses. You want me to keep listening? Those are all titles. But if you want me, you say, hey, Pastor Wayne, and I'll respond. But if you say, hey, horse feeder, I don't know if, who you're talking to. That's just what I've done. That's not who I am. Everywhere in Scripture, it says that they baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Why? Because that's where you cut the covenant. When my wife took upon my name, she cut the covenant. She took upon my last name. Now, I don't have much, but whatever I have is part of hers. It's the, her inheritance. It's my children's inheritance. God gives you a spiritual inheritance. What does that mean? It means things that money can't buy. God gives you anointing. He gives you salvation. He gives you freedom from sin, freedom from self, the ability to heal, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. Are y'all with me still? So Bryant, when you go down in Jesus' name, son, and you come up, it's a typology, right? The water does nothing. It's a typology. It's an act of faith. 
that when I go under this water, all of my sins that I've ever committed are now washed from me. And the name of Jesus is applied to my life. And I am baptized into the body of Christ. And now I take my gifts and I serve this body. And this body takes their gifts and they serve you. And that's a thing of beauty when we get it. Right? Take your hand, hold your nose, Bryant. Family, thank you for being here. Hallelujah. Brian, this is a very special moment. Something transpires when we obey God's word. It's powerful. I know people don't necessarily, they kind of have a hard time wrapping their mind around this, but when you get out of that water, you will become a Jesus Jr. An ambassador of Christ. His advertisement. Make sure everything you do is with the right motives. On the confession of your faith, Brian, and the obedience to God's command, I now baptize you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins.